navigating life through the Word of God. This is the Bethel Baptist Church Podcast. To make us strong. Got up this morning, walking out of the house, said, Lord, I don't, I don't want to be crying. Then they're going to get up and sing this song. Asked my wife, I said, you seen that towel I had made a long time ago? I said, I think I'm, I might need it. But it's in God's hands. It's in his hands. So I solicit your prayers this morning that God will get us through this thing but knowing that it's in his hands for me is certainly enough hallelujah but I want to thank God for you may be seated you may be seated y'all y'all making me nervous and nervous and crying just don't go together amen I want to thank God for this opportunity. Of course, we never take this opportunity lightly. Uh, we have this powerful, wonderful leadership in this house. And to be able to stand up here in Pastor Johnson's stead, and y'all know I don't preach like Pastor Johnson. And can't preach like Pastor Johnson. But God has gifted each and every one of us with our particular gifts. But I thank him for this opportunity. Uh, he's getting some well-needed rest. Dealing with folk like us. Uh, sometimes you need to lay down and rest sometimes. Amen. But we just need to keep, lift, keep him and Lady Tara lifted up in prayer. Uh, as they continue to lead us on to glory. Amen, amen. And uh, can we uh, thank God for Brother Larry Davis, who's worshiping with us from the Correctional Center. Amen. Whom God has set free is definitely free indeed. I want to thank God for my family, for my wife, my son-in-law, my daughter, my crown jewel, amen, they know who that is, little, little Tina over there, amen, she is something else, I love her, I love her to death, amen, and I got another one on the way, not by them, amen, uh, my son and his fiance are about ready to have another little girl. I said, you got to do it one more time because I need a boy to carry, carry on this Miller name. Amen. So uh, I don't know how she feels about that, but amen. I, I, I thank God for my family. My family is my life and lifeline. These guys support me in whatever I decide I'm going to do, bad or good. They'll let you know when it's bad, and they'll help you when it's good. 
Amen. I thank God for them. And can I, get, I just want to thank God for a fellow co-worker that's here with us today. Uh, she she uh, is a little bit younger than I am. <laughs> we have a great time, her and me and her together at work, talking about the Lord and just cutting up. She, she told my wife, she said, I did not like him at first. And she, she speaks the truth. She said, I could not stand your husband. He liked to cut up, joke, and act up. And I thought to myself, ain't no way in the world this man saved. And she found out I love the Lord just as much as she do. But I'm going to be myself. Amen. I want to thank God for uh, Mr. Gullick who's here today with us. Amen. Worshiping with us today. Let us get into this to this word. To this word. I think I've gotten my uh, uh, crying out. I hope it might come back. Y'all keep praying for me. Y'all keep praying for me. And we're gonna go to a very familiar text. And uh, Minister Ship and I, we were in the Pastors Institute, and Pastor Forehand brought this same text up. I said, Ship, that man all in my mess. And Ship said, yeah, he bowed in my mess too. And so we were sitting there talking and Ship and the Holy Spirit said to me, and said, uh, when that's done, it's for confirmation. Uh, not for intimidation, because the devil's trying to intimidate. Uh, so just look him in the face and say, okay, this is going to be proclamation. We're going to bring this thing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, go with us to the book of Acts, uh, the 28th chapter. And we'll be reading from the New Living Translation, of course, reading. We're just going to go ahead and read verses 1 uh, all the way just through 10. 1 through 10. And when you have it, say amen. You don't have it, say hold up. Amen. I heard a few hold ups. Hallelujah. That's in the New Testament. <clears throat> Just keep flipping once you get past Matthews and keep going. And eventually you make your way to the book of Acts. Amen. But God has helped us out. He gives us cell phones and tablets and you just punch it and get right there. Amen. Hallelujah. If you don't have it, look at the screen with us. We put it up there for you. Amen. And it reads... Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of this island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul was gathering an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a God. 
Near the shore where they landed was an estate belonging to Publius, a chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us with kindness for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. With your prayers, I would like to talk with you this morning from this thought. Necessary trouble. Necessary trouble. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to come before you, God. I ask that you just stand up in me, speak to these, your people, as you speak to me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I can hear many of your thoughts. You're probably like me. When you heard this title, when uh, the only thing that you were taught growing up was unnecessary trouble. You were taught about trouble that you didn't need to get into, trouble that didn't need to happen. And, you know, I grew up in a small town, small community town in Greensboro, and uh, we used to sing this one song that, I mean, we just wore it out. And the song went a little like this. It said, trouble in my way. I have to cry sometimes. Trouble in my way. I have to cry sometimes. I lay awake at night. Now, I'm going to stop right here because I had a problem with this song. We're up here in church where I'm supposed to be in the safety of God's arms, singing a song, talking about trouble in my way. Now, maybe y'all weren't like me. A lot of times growing up being a young kid, you just sing the song, you know what you were singing, and you just went on with it. But I had a problem with this song. Why am I up here in church singing about trouble? Trouble in my way. And the trouble gets to the point I have to cry sometimes. But then they got to this point, they said, I lay awake at night, but that's all right. And I, I, I like this last part, and we just sing it over and over and over and over again. It says, but Jesus will fix it after a while. It was Jesus will fix it after a while. Jesus just kept going, just kept going. So that, that encouraged me. Jesus will fix it. But then I thought again. I said, after a while? <laughs> what you mean after a while? How long is it going to take? Now, see, maybe some of y'all weren't like me. You, you were just singing this song. After a while, Jesus will fix it. When? After a while, how long is it going to take? You know, trouble is trouble. When you're in trouble, you want to be out of trouble. After a while, 
Oh, my goodness. So, so, so I was good at the Jesus, it will fix it. I know Jesus, he will fix it. Oh, yeah, Jesus, he will fix it. Yeah, Jesus, he will fix it. But that after a while, <laughs> that after a while was something else. It was something else. Now, it wasn't until I came to the conclusion that trouble was necessary trouble that I could handle uh, this song. Our text, uh, before I get into it, I, I just need to bring us up to speed on a few things that got us up into this point. And I, I want to do that by giving just, uh, just a few highlights. I, I need us to understand, we want to go back probably to chapter 19. And, and, and go back to Acts 19 in your own leisure and read all this stuff because I, I don't want to, uh, you, you want to know what's going on. Uh, at, but back to about Acts 19 and just give you a few highlights and let you know that Paul here, he was ministering in Ephesus. And understand that this was his third missionary journey. He was ministering in Ephesus while there was some trouble being stirred up because there was a man by the name of Demetrius. He was a silversmith who was a manufacturer of the shrines of the Greek goddess Athemius. And, and, and he felt that when Paul would come and he preached about Jesus Christ, People would turn over to God, and he can't make no statues. Now, how many of you know when folk messing with your money, uh, you're going to have a problem? Uh, and Paul ended up having to go face what we call mayor's court. And I want you to know that the mayor found no charges against Paul. Can anybody say case dismissed? Uh, then Paul goes to Macedonia in Greece, and he was in Greece, and he discovers that there was a plot against him from a group of Jews. In other words, they planned to kill Paul when he left Macedonia. So he back, he back, when he left Macedonia to go where he was supposed to go, but he had to backtrack back through Macedonia to keep from getting killed. And then on his journey, Paul, is, he, he spiritually led to go to Jerusalem, and he, he was on this ship, and he landed in the harbor of Tyre in Syria. And he found there some local believers from Jerusalem, and then he went on a little further in the 20th, 20, 21 several days later that there was a man named Abagus who had the gift of prophecy. And he went to Paul and he looked at him and he took Paul's belt and he, and he, and he took balls and he, he, he bound him on himself up. And after he bound himself up, he said, the man that is the owner of this belt is about to be bound and about to go to jail. So he prophesied to Paul and told him of things that were, were, were going to come. Can anybody say that Paul is running into a little bit of trouble. Can you, can you, can you, can you see this? Then around the 27th chapter, Paul made his way to Jerusalem. He gets arrested. He gets dragged out of the temple. Oh my God. You don't ever want to get arrested in church. You don't even want the police to pull up in here with you, wave at you and give you a ticket. Ramona, you, you, you don't want to get arrested while you at church. Church folk can talk about you. Church folk can look at you in other ways. Uh, don't get arrested <laughs> at church. Now, now, these guys that plan to kill Paul, but the Roman commander heard of these things, and he sent soldiers and officers out to the commotion. 
and they arrested Paul and took him to keep these Jews from killing him. As a matter of fact, they were stoning Paul at this time, and when the Romans came up, they stopped stoning him. So Paul is faced with trouble, some trouble. From here, Paul finds himself in front of the Christian council. Now, this council was made up of church folk, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. Can anybody say church folk? Boy, it gets good right here. But see, because Paul tells them, look, I was or I am a Pharisee. But he openly declares that he believes in preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what you need to understand is the Pharisees opposed Jesus Christ. The Sadducees were for Jesus Christ. So here he is, a Pharisee with the opposers, but he believes in the resurrection like the Sadducees. So that simply caused a rut between the church folk. It caused a divide. Oh, my God. Can anybody say deadlock? It was a deadlock. So anytime there's a deadlock in court, and I don't really know, I just watched it on TV, it means case dismissed. Case dismissed. And at this point, Paul stayed in prison. He was in the out court, and he reached the place where he had to go talk to the king, to King Agrippa. Now, the king Agrippa came in, and he, he, he talked to Paul, and he himself came to the conclusion that Paul was guilty of nothing. But he also said, well, Paul asked to talk to Caesar. He said, I would let him go, but since he wants to talk to somebody that's higher than I am, he's got to go see that man. So here in our text, this is where we are up to this point. Paul is on his way to Rome. Uh, to talk with Caesar. Again, we can see that Paul was dealing with a plethora of trouble. In other words, trouble is on every side. It seems like it's one thing after another. You do know that John 16 and 33, and I want to read this from the God's Word version, says, I told you this so my peace will be with you. In this world, you, you will have trouble. Be cheered up. I have overcome the world. The King Version says, King James Version says, you will have tribulations. Amen. But I have overcome the world. So one, how does one cheer up when they're in trouble? How do you cheer up when you're in trouble? I, I say to you that you must change your mindset. You have to see your trouble as necessary trouble. Which brings me to my first point. It, in order to see your trouble as necessary trouble, and if you see your trouble as necessary trouble, it will help you to be committed to serving and committed to your assignment. Uh, I look at Acts 20, 22 through 24, we find Paul here, he shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And around verse 3, the, the text says he's gathering sticks to lay them on the fire. Please understand that Paul, he, he is still a prisoner. He's still wet. He's still cold, just like 
everybody else. Just like the other 276 men who were on board. You'll find this in Acts 27, 37. Uh, matter of fact, let's journey back to that chapter. And let me read that into your hearing. It says, just a day is dawning. Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair on your heads will perish. Then he took bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat all 276 of us who were on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. Again, Paul is still a prisoner on board ship. But I'm, I want to show you here that he was in a leadership role. He knew that they were in trouble. He knew that the men were in trouble, but he also knew that they needed to eat. Can I tell you today that when you get in trouble and you're in leadership, it shouldn't stop you from doing what God has called you to do. We must understand that God will supply all our needs. The Bible says he'll supply them according to his riches in glory. It doesn't mean you stop doing what you're supposed to do because you're faced with a little bit of trouble. As a leader, he recognizes again that the men will eat, were weak, and they, they couldn't eat. How many of you know that when people are weak, they can't do nothing for you? If you need to throw some bags off the ship, if you haven't eaten, those bags probably won't go nowhere because you don't have the ability to do so. Oh my God, this is such an evangelistic moment. Paul is still giving glory to God. The text says he took bread. He gave thanks before these men. Oh my God, y'all don't, don't see it. These men are troublemakers that he's with. We got murderers, we got thieves, we got robbers, we got child molesters. We got all kinds of manner of men on this ship. Why does Paul still give God glory amongst all of this mess? Hallelujah. Trouble needs to be seen as necessary trouble. Paul takes bread. He gives thanks in front of all these men. I tell you, he wasn't ashamed. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel. And Paul wasn't ashamed of where he was at. He's on ship. He's going, he's in prison with every of the other prisoners. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's journey back just a, a little bit further. Paul's life, and I want to show you how he continues with his assignment. Acts 20, 22 through 24 says that, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is telling others the good news. And what I need to do is tell others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. 
How many of us, knowing what we are about to face, told by the Holy Spirit what we are about to face, we're going to face jail and suffering, will continue in our assignment? You don't have to answer that. You, you, you don't have to answer that. Just look straight ahead and your neighbor will not know that you didn't want to answer that. You, you, do, you don't have to answer it because most of us won't continue in our assignment. Many of us will just throw in the towel, give up, and quit our assignment because of the trouble, the trouble that we know lies ahead. It's easy when you don't know the trouble lies ahead. You can continue in your assignment then. It's, it's easy. But when you know the trouble that lies ahead or when you've been faced with trouble, it makes things a little bit different. You want to give up. You want to quit. Now, this reminds me just a little bit. I, I, Y'all remember the story about the spies who went to spy out the land, you know, and they came back to give a report, and what they said was, uh, uh, we look like grasshoppers uh, compared to them. Can I tell you, people, when they're faced with trouble, or when their troubles consume them, these are the real grasshoppers. Amen. In other words, in fact, there are two grasshoppers, two types. Uh, uh, one of them, when they're faced with trouble in the church, this grasshopper is I call the church hopper. They'll hop from church to church to church. And, and then there's the second grasshopper. I call them the ministry hopper. You see, when there's trouble in one ministry, they'll hop from one ministry to the next ministry. And then when there's trouble in that ministry, they'll hop on over to some other ministry. Don't let your troubles consume you. Don't let them consume you. Use them or see them as necessary troubles that you might stay committed to serving where you at, and stay on your assignment. This brings me to my second point, and I'm going to need some help with this one. Um, when you see your troubles as necessary trouble, it shows you how to handle your snakes. Uh, let's look at the text. It says, as Paul was gathering an armful of sticks and lying, laying them on the fire, a poison snake driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging off his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice and peace would not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. Y'all see the snakes in that text? Snakes? He said, a snake grabbed a hold of his hand. Anybody see the snakes in the text? Let me show you the snakes in the, in, in, in the text. Let me show you the, all the snakes in the text. Uh, Brother McKinney, if you can come up. Uh, Sister Kim, uh, Middlebrook, if, if you can come up, give me a little hand. Uh, Deke, if you come, come on, come on, come on, don't be scared. Don't be scared. It's something in the box, but it ain't going to bite you. I hope. <laughs> My brother, if you in, in yeah, I need y'all to stand back there because this thing in the box might get you. Uh, it, it, it might get you. 
what I need y'all to do is I need y'all to stand back here like you're talking. Don't say nothing. Can y'all can y'all do that? Yeah, just stand back here like you're talking amongst each other. I don't want to hear in your mouth. Don't don't just don't say nothing. Just you know, and, and then every once in a while, just kind of point at me and look at me and all that good stuff. And he, oh, I hear you. Just 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 just, cause I I, I need to show you snakes plural. In 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 the text, uh, I've been trained to do this. Actually, I haven't been trained. I just watched national. I've been watching National Geographic's. And, and I saw how they do this stuff, and uh, I, I think I can do this, y'all. Where y'all going? <laughs> See, the, the, the text says, Paul was, re- hey, Mo, you have to give me a hand here, man, you know. Be careful. I've been trained, too. Okay. The text says that Paul was putting sticks on the fire. You can go back over there. Thank you, sir. And and and, and he reached in. <laughs> he reached in to put sticks on the fire. I guess I've been trained to do that. And uh, he he he. Oh, he's still asleep. We're good. We're good. And he he reached in to put stake. And it says that the snake. latched on to his hand. It, it, it said that the snake latched on to his hand. But, but, but uh, the Bible also says that he shook it off. Shook it off into to the fire. But I, I, I want to show you these snakes, plural. One thing about this snake, even this one here, he, he, he has a tongue, a very unusual tongue. And, and what a snake will do is he will flick his tongue in order to feel what's in the environment. So once he feels that Paul is there, he lashes out at Paul with the intent to bite Paul to push venom into Paul because he's looking for a meal. But Paul shakes the snake off. Y'all talking back there? I need to find some obedient folk. Not loud. Y'all got to point at me every once in a while. Now the other snakes in this text are the people. See, the people see the snake on his hand, and I need you to understand and know that these people have unusual tongues as well. How many of you know that people can have tongues to push out poison as well? This snake has a tongue to feel Paul in the environment. These snakes have a tongue for insinuating Paul is in the area. 
See, they called him a murderer, no doubt. A murderer, no doubt. Didn't even know him from the man on the moon. But a murderer, no doubt. This tongue to feel. That tongue on a feeling about you. On a feeling about you. But he teaches us how to handle the snakes. Uh, he, 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 the first one, he shakes them off into the fire. I need you to know that the other tongue of the other snakes, you need to shake them off as well. Uh, see, now some of y'all think you're supposed to shake them off, roll your eyes, move your neck like so, and all those particular things. But Proverbs 25, 21 through 22 says, says, if your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. You will heap burning coals of shame on their heads, and the Lord will reward you openly. So you shake these snakes off, not by killing them, but by looking at them and just, man, hey, <laughs> how you doing, dude? Man, girl, I love that green. Boy, that is awesome. How you doing, man? Yes, yes. Oh, good to see you. What's up, my brother? When we going to play some golf, man? You shake them off with love. You shake them off with kindness. You shake them off with the love of God. I thank you guys. Uh, before you be seated, I, I need to clear something up because I know the people that pastor preach. All right? And, and the people that I hang out with. By no means am I calling them snakes. They just props. Here for my illustration, that's all they are. Matter of fact, I'm friends with all of them. I love all of them. Now, if anybody comes up to you and says, I don't know why Elder Miller called you a snake, shake them off. I give you permission. Shake them off. I give you permission. Now, the text doesn't say whether or not Paul heard the people talking about him. It, it, it doesn't clearly say that. Whether you hear them or not, you shake them off with kindness. Shake them off with love. Hallelujah. Now, when you see your troubles as necessary troubles, one, it helps you to be committed, uh, committed to serving and committed to your assignment. And secondly, it shows you how to handle your snakes. But lastly, it allows you to continue operating in your given power and authority. Go with me to verse 7. It says, near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. We welcomed, he welcomed us and treated us with kindness for three days. As it happened, Publius' father's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went and prayed for him and laying hands on him and healed him. The other people in the island were sick, and they came also and were healed. Now, right here, I just want to pause, rewind, go back, hit play. Y'all remember them little things? Paul is shipwrecked, and he's cold. And it says, the text says that he began putting sticks on the fire so he and the other men could get warm and in the process he's bitten by a poisonous snake 
understand that these are island people. None of them, not even the island people, the people of that culture, or even the men from the ship, reached out one hand to help Paul out. They just looked at him and said, he must be a murderer. The other guy's probably too cold and shivering to help him. I, I don't know, but not, nobody tried to help Paul. Now, now, none of us probably, especially me, could have been Paul during this time and, and want to help somebody else out. We've been like, mm, nah, not me. Mm -mm. They ain't help me. I ain't going to help y'all. Now, I know these are the, the ignore words for our grammar and English teachers. What I mean by ignore words is when you're typing them out, that little red stuff, little scribbly line come underneath the word, and you got to hit ignore just to get rid of the red. Yeah, these are two ignore words, but I just like how they sound. I just like how they sound, the ain't and the y'all, because that's, that's how we really talk. The ain't and the y'all. But many of us couldn't do, again, like I say, what Paul had done in this text. But it helps you to continue operating in your given power and your authority. Uh, let me bring it home in, 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 in the church, in, in, in this house, to help us out a little bit. Uh, it's much like you over in the BEC and you're putting out chairs for an event all by yourself. I know that never happens in Bethel. And then about six people come in that are helping with this event, and all they do is stand around, and it looks like they're pointing fingers at you and talking about you, but you steady putting out chairs and won't nobody help. Won't nobody help you with those chairs. Of course, after you get all the chairs put out for this event, the people on the side decide they're just going to get up and come sit on the front row like they're all large and in charge. I hear you shit. Mm, mm. They're all large and in charge. And let's just say this has happened to be men. I know women put chairs out over there as well, but for the sake of my illustration, my story is men. And an elderly woman walks in, and she is in, she's in desperate need of a seat on the front row. But what happens is these men on the front row, thinking they're large and in charge, had the audacity to continue sitting there and won't even get up and give this person a seat. And you end up having to give them a seat because you're in the first seat on the second row and you didn't mind. But they talked about you, ridiculed you. And now you could have just said, forget this. I'm not going to do this stuff. They ain't going to help nobody. I'm giving up. I'm going home. Y'all do it yourself. Ain't that how most of us act? That's exactly how most of us will act. But then pastor comes in at the end of the event and he's giving some remarks about what's going on. And because God sees everything, God hears everything, this is what pastor says. He says, I want to thank everybody for putting on this event. But the only thing he does, he calls out your name. Nobody else's name. He calls out your name for thinking to help. Nobody else gets recognition. Nobody else gets an applause. Nobody else. Nobody but you. 
So he calls out your name because, like I say, God sees everything, God knows everything, and he used his pastor or whoever to tell everything. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop operating in your only given power and authority. Can I say to you that because you did this particular thing and because your name got called out, was the only name to get called out, that's the best power and authority that anybody could ever give you. That's the best power and authority that you can ever have. We're always looking for the be the leader of something, to be this, to be that. But when somebody applauds you, that's the best thing that you can ever get. We all love applause, amen? But that's the best thing that you can get from God, especially when he calls your name. It comes from God through pastor. He calls your name. But the text says that Publius' father was ill with fever and he was dysentery. Now, I want you to remember key, that key word dysentery um, because I need you to understand something here. Keep it in your mind. Keep it in your focus. Because dysentery means an infectious disease and it's marked by inflammation. And what is inflammation? Inflammation is the redness, the swelling, the pain, the tenderness, the heat, the disturbed function in the area of a body, especially in reaction to of tissue and injurious agent. And what are snake bite symptoms? Snake bite symptoms are a swelling and a redness around the wound, pain at the bite, difficulty in breathing. Uh, anybody see any similarity there? Any similarity there? So you must continue operating in your given power and authority. Because you never know the stuff that you're going through might be the same stuff that somebody else needs. You can be sitting right beside somebody right now that has the very thing that you need, had the very same symptoms that you have gone through. They're similar in nature with everything that you're going through. The snake bites Paul, but God blocks the poison. God blocks it for a reason. Now, I want to go on and I, right here, I want to be just a little bit transparent. I have been in a season where it seems like it's been one thing after another. I got a hernia had to have hernia surgery. After the hernia, I got a bad sinus issue. Had to go to the doctor. Eyes, bloodshot red, couldn't understand. Got diagnosed with an acute sinusitis. Then the doctor prescribes this stuff for my sinusitis. And it didn't work for me. It wasn't favorable for me. And it caused me to have a really bad nosebleed. I mean, it burned the membrane so high up in here in my nostrils that even my eye was bleeding. Horrible. Horrible. Right after that, I 
got kidney stones. Four to be exact. Two on the right, two on the left. Had to have the two on the right surgically removed because they were so large. Had to have lithotripsy for the two on the left side. Fancy name for saying electronic pulse, just beating them to break them up, to break up these stones. During the procedure, the doctor found I had an irregular heartbeat. I was sent to a cardiologist. Had to go testing, go through a lot of testing then. Diagnosed with CAD, coronary artery disease. By this time, I must admit, I was wondering what in the world could be next. I began to think for a minute that, that you know, that this really ain't no point in doing stuff. Not that I was thinking that I wanted to, to die and, and, and take my life. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. But I, I, I saw no point in continuing in some of the assignments or some of the things that I wanted to accomplish. But God showed me Job. And a whole bunch of other people who have been through stuff. This after that. After that. After that. But I'm not through. After that, I contracted... Another thing, I said, wife, my, I said, told my wife, I said, my shoulder is, is, is hurting. I, I, I don't, I, it's just bothering me. And then I broke out, and all these little red spots, painful, very painful. And all you doctors out there know what I had. I got that. Right after all this stuff, and here, Lord talked to me about Job. What else? What's next? So, I said, Lord, help me. And he said, you have to see your troubles as necessary troubles. You have to see them as stuff that you have to go through. And he said, I need you to tell everybody about this stuff. He said, because there's some people in here that are going through trouble after trouble after trouble, just like you are. But I'm here today to tell you that God gets the glory. God gets the glory. So I, I, my wife said, you all right? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I, I guess I'm going to be all right. I said, but when I heard that thing about others going through stuff, I said, no, I'm no longer going to be like this. And, and it was right around Christmas time, and I went out and I bought myself something for Christmas. And, and, and I wanted this thing for a long, I mean, good, good little while, good little while. So I, I bought it. I said, I'm going to continue on. I'm going to continue on. And, and, and what I bought was <laughs> two, two little boards that you actually, it's like playing 
uh, Mo, we're talking about it today. It's like playing uh, a cornhole. But instead of playing cornhole, you're hitting with a golf club. You know, so I, I, I started picking up golf. So, so when I bring that thing to the church picnic, the church functions, I want all you golfers to bring your, your wedges and, and, and all that other stuff because that's going to serve as a reminder to me and a reminder to a lot of you that trouble don't last always. Joy cometh in the morning. Weeping may endure for night, but joy cometh in the morning. Every time I see somebody chip that little ball and miss the hole, joy is going to come in the morning. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited. You got to see your troubles as necessary troubles. Now, I want to end this with a little short story. Uh, this story is told about a man who grew up in a small town. And like everyone else in the town, he was frowned upon. But his father happened to be a very rich and influential man. But he wasn't from the town that this man was from. So his mom, who still lay, who still was in the town that he was in, decided that she would get married. So in other words, this man had a stepdad. But the son wanting to be more like his father, he leaves the town and decides that he wants to be big and powerful, just like his father. Eventually, as the years went past, he grew and became very famous, became well-known. Matter of fact, he was a type of person that would hang out with the haves and the have-nots. It, it, didn't, it didn't matter to him. Somebody watched that show. He hung out with the haves and the have-nots. He became very influential, became very famous, so much so that the people in the towns that he was going in became very uh, discouraged by him. Matter of fact, they became a little intimidated by what this man could do. So they figured they would get together and they would destroy this man. They would mess him up, get him out of the picture. So he being a very influential man, he knew quite a few people. And what happened was the story, it got back to him that, hey, these men are out to get you. They're out to, to come and kill you and come and destroy you. Like most of us, it will get us down, put us out when we hear stuff like that. So he decided I'm just going to take this to a few of my friends. He had some, he had some BFFs and all that type of thing. So he said, I'm going to tell them about this and see what they can do, it, it, at least they can encourage me. They can lift me up. They, I mean, after all, they're my friends. They're my buddies. They're my road dogs. They're my, they my fellas. They're my girls. They're they, they my friends. <clears throat> the encouragement was there. It was, it was there for quite a while. But these men who were so big and powerful and so influential just messed them all up. They just couldn't do nothing with them, couldn't mess with them, couldn't touch them. At one point in time, they told the, the man, hey, we will be right with you. We ain't going to let this thing happen to you. But they saw how these men were. They felt like they were little grasshoppers and couldn't deal with them. So the son says, well, hold on a minute. My daddy 
is big, rich, powerful, and he's famous. He said, I'm going to go talk to my father and see what, you know, he should be able to do anything, something, if nothing at all. So he goes and he talks to his father. He says, Father, this is the problem I have. He said, can you help me out? His dad said, hold on, wait a minute, give me about 30 minutes, and I'll go call up some people I know, and we'll see what we can do about this situation. So he goes back to his friends, tells his friends about his dad. Friends look at him like, yeah, your dad ain't, he ain't be do nothing. He ain't nobody, just like the rest of us. So his friends discouraged him. He said, hold on. He said, I'm going to go back now. Y'all ain't helping me. I'm going to go talk to my dad and see if he can help me out. He goes and he talks to his dad, and his dad says, son, I tried everything I could. I, I, I talked to some of the big cohorts, the big people I know. I said, matter, he says, a matter of fact, I even tried to pay these guys off to leave you alone. They wouldn't even accept the money that I was trying to give them. He said, son, I believe you have to do this, pay for this, pay for what you have done, pay for what you're doing on your own. His son put his head down just for a moment, came back up, and he said the most, too po uh, most powerful word that is still quoted today. He said, nevertheless, the man I'm talking about is Jesus. Jesus Christ. He saw that trouble as necessary trouble for you and for me. For you and for me. I'm done. Stand to your feet. Perhaps today you have someone and you simply don't know Jesus in the free pardoning of your sins. Matter of fact, if you were to die today, you don't know whether or not you end up in heaven. You're just not sure. And if you die today and you do end up in heaven, the Bible that we talked about, and it says to you,